Hello, and welcome to Business Talk, brought to you by Business West and Living Local. Hi, I'm Chris Kellogg from the Kellogg Crew Morning Show on 94.7 WMAS, and I'd like to introduce our host of Business Talk. He's the editor and associate publisher of Business West. Here's George O'Brien. Okay, welcome to another episode of Business Talk, a podcast presented by Business West in partnership with Living Local. Uh, Happy New Year to all of you. I hope 2021 is much better than 2020. I don't think uh, it takes much for 2021 to be better than 2020, but let's hope it is that way anyway. We have uh, an exciting guest for you today. We have with us Amy Royal. She is a principal with the Royal Law Firm with offices in Springfield and Northampton, I believe. Amy, am I right? I'm in Hartford, Connecticut, actually, George. Springfield and Hartford. Very good. How are you this morning? I'm great, George. How are you doing? Well, we're doing okay for the end of the year. So Amy is an employment law specialist, which is good because there is a lot to talk about when it comes to employment law these days, especially with regard to the pandemic. But Also, a lot of uh, end of year, beginning of uh, new year issues, Amy. So like I said, we have a lot to talk about. Uh, Let's start with this pandemic and vaccines. Uh, Employers have a lot of questions about what they can do, what they can't do, what they can mandate, what they can not mandate, what they might suggest employees do or not suggest that they do. Let's start with exactly what employers are permitted to do with this vaccine in terms of mandating whether their employees get it or not to come back to work? That's a great question, George. And our federal agency that's charged with the responsibility of enforcing anti-discrimination law, the Equal Employment Opportunity Commission, the EEOC, just issued guidance on that this month on whether or not employers can mandate their employees to receive the vaccine. Generally speaking, yes, employers can mandate employees get vaccinated. However, there's two wrinkles to that. Employers need to tread lightly when it comes to an employee who has a medical condition and may have a disability that prevents a vaccination. Also, the EEOC has said if an employee has a sincerely held religious belief, that too could insulate the employee and them not be faced with a charge to actually get vaccinated to be at work. So those two caveats, but yes, as a general matter, uh, companies can mandate that. And of course, industry sort of dictates that as well. If you're in the healthcare industry, there's a much greater chance that you'd be able to mandate it across the board. Whereas if you're in an office setting and not really coming into contact and caring for people, less likely. So just having a serious concern about this vaccine, and there are a lot of people who do have concerns about this vaccine, that's not going to be good enough in this case. It's not going to protect you in your job. An employer can say, hey, you know, you can't come to work until you get vaccinated and may even be able to take that next step of terminating the employee. Are you getting phone calls on this already? Because this could be a pretty sticky issue for some employers. It is a tricky issue. And then you're getting into people's personal beliefs and 
a lot of employers don't want to have those kinds of conversations. And some of those conversations can lead to dialogues that are protected by other laws. So I, so I think it is a really tricky and sticky, as you said, situation. So we've just talked about what employers can do. Now let's talk about what they should do. Um, is there kind of a, a middle ground, perhaps, where employers might be able to suggest this as policy, recommend it, encourage employees, but not exactly mandate it? Or does this have to be black and white? Yeah, I mean, it's definitely not black and white, and it's going to be industry specific. Again, if your industry is healthcare or direct care with people, it's going to be probably much more likely that an employer can mandate and may want to mandate for other liability issues because they definitely don't want their employees to pose any kind of direct threat to the public. But I think best practices in other industries dictates, and you definitely don't want to lose a good employee just because their belief may be against a vaccination. So I think there's going to be a lot of considerations that companies are going to have to make in weighing the the risk of, you know, exposure in their workplace and exposure to customers if employees aren't vaccinated with, you know, the, the value of that employee. So have you taken calls from employers on this? Do you have any direct advice for them as to how to do this? I mean, the, the rule I hear in a lot of cases, uh, it's when in doubt, you, you have to put something like this in writing. Uh, is that what you're telling people here? I think the the biggest takeaway of 2020, and I'm sure so many people are so glad that the year is gone and to be able to say good riddance and that 2021 is here. Um, I think the biggest takeaway is planning, planning, planning. And like you said, George, documenting what you're doing and creating some type of strategic plan for dealing with these COVID-related issues and how they impact personnel in the workplace generally. All right. Well, let's... Uh switch gears a little bit and talk about um, the many ways that, that COVID impacted the workplace and, and what we're seeing there. Uh, there was talk of direct litigation, perhaps companies facing litigation if people did come to work and if they contracted COVID and if they bought at home and people became sick or God forbid people died. Did, did we see a lot of suits like this and are employers still facing the potential of suits like that? I, it's been predicted that over probably the next four years, we're going to see lots of COVID-related cases emerge. There's already been thousands of them across the country. There's been about 100 reported cases in the Commonwealth right now. I, I've been handling a number of COVID-related cases already in the discrimination um, arena, as well as leave laws, and even like you had alluded to, personal injury for uh, someone who may be exposed because their spouse, for example, was exposed in the workplace and then brought that home to them. And I think those are the scariest cases for employers because of the potential exposure and monetary exposure because it's a personal injury lawsuit and there's no cap on damages. Talk a little bit more about the the discrimination side and how covid falls into this. I mean, the general rule of thumb is that employers cannot discriminate against employees across a whole, you know, wave of, of issues. 
Um, how does COVID fall into this and how do you avoid those types of discrimination? Obviously, the quick answer is to just treat everyone equally. But sometimes that's really difficult, especially in a case where, you know, some people may not want to come to work for various reasons, whether they have an elderly parent or a spouse with an underlying condition, and then other people don't have those, but they don't feel like coming to work either. So, And I think, you know, employees fear about coming to work, especially depending on the industry and how close in proximity and the number of people they may come into contact with in the workplace is creating an issue for employers. How do they manage employees who do have potentially a legitimate fear in coming to the workplace because they are in a high-risk category or have a family member that's in the high-risk category. The discrimination cases that have arisen out of COVID really center on disability discrimination cases, age-based discrimination cases, and pregnancy discrimination cases. And really in the disability and pregnancy context, claims that the employer has not provided a reasonable accommodation and has maybe mandated that they return to work when the employee claims that a telework arrangement might be an option and reasonable for them. Okay. This is Business Talk, a podcast, podcast presented by Business West in partnership with Living Local. I'm George O'Brien, the editor of Business West magazine. My guest today is Amy Royal. She is a principal with the Royal Law Firm. We are talking about COVID and the workplace and potential litigation and lawsuits that might be arising from this. It's an area of deep concern from a lot for a lot of employers, but uh, they generally have a lot of things to keep track of anyway, Amy, even during a regular year when there's no pandemic. And uh, this is the start of a new year. There's going to be some new measures taking effect this year, new matters and employers need to keep on top of? Can you give us a quick rundown of what's new for 2021? Well, setting aside... It's going to take a while, I know. (laughs) (laughs) Setting aside COVID in 2021, we did January 1st have the Paid Family and Medical Leave Act in Massachusetts take effect. So now, for the first time, employees in Massachusetts can take leave up to 12 weeks, and in certain instances, up to 26 weeks of job-protected leave for certain situations, ranging from their own serious health condition to needing to care for a family member who's covered with a serious health condition. So that law mixed with the COVID impact on business and personnel issues is going to be a real challenge, I think, for employers in 2021 in terms of staffing issues, coverage issues. There may be a lot of people that are availing themselves legitimately of this new leave law that, again, provides job-protected leave for many months, which can be quite burdensome on a smaller company. Now, it's just keeping you busier than normal. You're busy anyway, but uh, it's always good to have a lot of cases in the file there. It's true. And, you know, one thing that unfortunately the global pandemic has brought, I think, for law firms is a lot of work. And especially in the context of labor and employment law, because there's so much planning 
that has to happen for companies, ranging from how how do we track and comply with all of the different laws and guidelines and mandates out there from capacity to cleaning to employee leaves because of COVID exposures. So there are so many questions and all of this hit so fast that employers are really kind of reeling from that and trying to navigate through a system and guidelines that are evolving each day. Now, that's got to be hard for any size business, even, you know, a large corporation, perhaps with its own in-house attorney, or certainly with uh, somebody handling HR. But for a small business with, you know, fewer than 10 employees where, you know, the person whose name on the door is probably handling three or four or five different jobs, this has really got to be a major headache. Uh, What advice do you have for them as to just how to keep track of all this? I I think you're right, George. It is really time consuming and really exhausting to do this kind of planning and making predictions, especially if you're a small company, predictions and anticipating situations that may arise. If this happens, then what? If that happens, then what do we do? There there needs to be multi-tiered planning and that takes a lot of time And if you're a small business and your name is on the door, you're also trying to run the business and do all of the things that you do every day and wear all of the hats that you wear. What what I think that I've seen with a lot of small businesses throughout 2020 is partnering and collaborating with the experts, talking to their attorneys to help get guidance from counsel to navigate these issues, talking with their accountants and working through planning in that regard. How do they harness uh, funding out there? How do they avail themselves of certain tax credits? So I think it really is developing and utilizing that network. But at the end of the day, if you've got your name on the door, you are wearing so many hats and you're juggling so many issues. And the impact COVID has had on business and business owners is is just massive and it is really tiring. In talking to employment law lawyers over the years, and I've talked to many, uh, they say that they have basically two main assignments representing people if they should happen to need help and land in trouble. And the other part of the equation is trying to keep people out of trouble. I mean, you know, just don't get in it in the first place. And I assume that you're doing both of those. Um, You know, what is your best advice for employers kind of as a prevention method? And I'm going to bring up two words here, actually three words, training and employee handbook. And I'm sure you're hard at work doing things in both of those areas. Let's start with the training side. Uh, That's a big word. And it's one that uh, most employers don't think about when they think of employment law and staying out of trouble, but it's very important for these managers to know what the laws are and and to train them properly in basically what they can do and what they can't do. Are you seeing more companies being proactive in getting this training or is it still a big need out there? I do think there's still a big need out there. I think a lot of companies throughout 2020 were trying to do the right thing and also, you know, support their employees and wanted to make the right decisions. 
with respect to training of managers, it is absolutely critical because those are your people on the front line that are managing your people, interacting with your people every day, and they can be your greatest asset or they can be your weakest link, not because they're trying to be a bad manager, but if they don't have that training on what kinds of questions, for example, they can ask if somebody maybe is showing symptoms of being ill in the workplace, can they proactively go over to that person and question them? Or might they run afoul of the Americans with Disabilities Act? So it's so important to arm managers with information so they can be out there and and in a proactive way, as well as protecting the company. Because what they say or do, they're the agent of the company. So they can protect you or they can, you know, get you in trouble in in an accidental way. Where is this training available? We do a lot of training. Um, We've done quite a bit of manager training specific to COVID-related compliance, uh, especially the frontline people that are assessing employees, whether they may be sick, administering temperature checks for companies that are doing temperature checks or screening questionnaires and really getting, you know, those managers up to speed on what the laws are, what they can say and what they can't say. Interesting. Let's take a couple of minutes and talk about the handbook. Uh, A lot of companies aren't diligent about making sure they're updated Um, Some of them are pretty old. Some of them are very old. They need to be carbon dated. And it's not just a book to tell people how many paid sick days they get or or what they need to wear to work and what the dress code is. That employee handbook uh, can sometimes be a big difference between a company getting in trouble and staying out of trouble. You're doing a lot of updates, I'm sure. Can you tell us some of the things uh, over the last several years that companies need to add to that handbook that they probably wouldn't have thought about like five, six, seven years ago? Right. I think it would be a best practice for companies. And I know it's hard when you're trying to run a business and do everything to have an annual handbook check-in just to take a look each year at the policies that need to be updated or revised because there have been a number in the past five, seven years. For example, we now do have this requirement in Massachusetts starting January 1 of paid family and medical leave. Got to have a policy in the handbook that spells that out. And that law applies to any size employer. So we've got to have that policy. We have Massachusetts paid sick time. Another requirement that that policy be communicated to employees. So what better place to have it than in your handbook? So there's a number of updates that need to happen to handbooks. And like I said, it can fall down a uh, On many companies, they create a handbook and then shelf it and don't want to think about it. And and, But if you take a look at it every year, there's less work you have to do. So I really try to encourage people to just do it. Just do it because, you know, if you wait five years, then you've got a number of other policies that you've got to incorporate. Another good thing about handbooks, and I've seen some terrible ones, over the last 20 years that I've been doing this, as well as some fantastic ones, are your handbook is your opportunity to communicate your business 
to your employees. You can set the tone, set the feel. I work with a client that they're really fun. They're a large uh, national company and their handbook is a really fun handbook and you read stuff and it's like, if you have a runny nose and you're, you know, coughing up things that look, you know, foreign, don't come to work. That's literally what they say in there. Wouldn't be the kind of style or language you'd want to use for every company, but it's a good spot to just sort of reflect who you are to your employees. And it can't be something that you just take off the internet or, you know, get like a, a copy of from a buddy who also has a business. Really spend some time with your handbook. Absolutely. Okay. Well, thank you very much, Amy. You have been a, a big help as always. And I think that handbook uh, sounds like your next uh, column for Business West. Uh, <laughs> thank you, George. That, I expect that in my inbox uh, next Tuesday at 11 o'clock. No. <laughs> Anyway, thank you, you again for, for being our guest today. That was very insightful. And uh, I'm sure business owners came away with a lot that they know they need to do now. So thank you again. Uh, do you have a happy new year? And like I said at the top, I hope 2021 is much better than 2020, not just for you, but for all of our listeners. And to you listeners, uh, again, happy new year. Uh, this is George O'Brien, editor of Business West Magazine. This has been Business Talk, a podcast presented in partnership with Living Local. We will see you next time. <laughs>